This is Events Demystified, brought to you by Trifan Events, and I'm your host, Anka. The ever-growing concern about the environment and climate change has accelerated demand for consciousness in regards to consumerism and sustainable initiatives. And we have seen that a lot of millennials and consumers are very much choosing these days to buy and support brands that are committed to the cause of sustainability. This desire to invest in green projects has also trickled down to the event industry and sustainable development has become a key buzzword for both B2B and B2C events. Event organizers are sitting up and taking notice of the need to create events with a reduced carbon footprint. And for event professionals, creating green events can be quite a challenge, especially at the time that we live in now. If you want to offer a rich and personalized attendee experience while also ensuring that the event also meets your sustainability targets, which can be quite a tough balance. And so today I have invited an internationally recognized trailblazer in the sustainable event field, Nancy Zavara, CMP founder and president of Meet Green, to discuss best practices and guidelines on planning and producing sustainable events. Nancy founded Meet Green in 1994, and her extensive work with scientific organizations earned her an impeccable reputation for producing notable meetings throughout the world. A decade later, Nancy co-founded the Green Meet industry consult. She has been also named one of the top 25 women in the meetings industry and one of the 22 meetings trendsetters. Nancy oversees sustainable initiatives for corporate and nonprofit organizations. And it is my great pleasure to welcome Nancy to the show. Welcome to the show, Nancy. Such a joy to have you here. What a pleasure. Well, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. I mean, we have such an important topic to discuss, and Mm -hmm. I feel like this topic should definitely get more airtime, and unfortunately, it doesn't. So we got to change that. I think that will be changing in the future. Absolutely. Well, first thing first, how are you? How's 2021 been treating you? Is it treating you any better than 2020? That's a tough question, actually. 2020, we just all pivoted to virtual events events. And certainly that was a learning curve. But now the industry, so many people are still trying to decide, is it hybrid? Is it live? Is it virtual? There's some tough calls to make right now. Absolutely. I can certainly identify. It's been challenging. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Yeah. At this time, we're recording this episode. (laughs) So I just came from a two-day summit hybrid event that was all about sustainable events. And it was so interesting that I guess the most interesting thing about that was that each keynote speaker would start their talk on this desperate note, but then somehow (laughs) end up with some sort of a hopeful note that there's still hope. I mean, this ship is not yet about to destroy itself and we're not about to kill the one home that we got, Earth. So I guess coming from a year of virtual events in 2020, I am pretty sure that there's some data out there analyzing what that actually meant in relation to the carbon footprints of events 
events that they normally leave. So I'm curious, do you have any insight on what that meant for events? And did this one year of virtual events put a dent in our effort of, you know, implementing sustainable practices when planning events post-pandemic? Is there any hope for us as we move with, you know, in-person events coming back? I think there is a great amount of hope actually moving forward. What's interesting is that we did track data all year last year and in-person events use 95% more carbon emissions. Yeah. So there's a great difference between Absolutely. virtual and live events. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't be meeting in person. I think there are meetings that are actually very important, but there are also times when maybe we don't have to all travel together to meet. So I think moving forward, it's going to be a combination really of the two or three if we're including hybrid as well, because you know it just it really depends on the meeting and the reason for it and how important your own personal carbon footprint or your company's is to be spending that traveling. Absolutely. And it's not just the event industry, it's the travel industry, especially because flying to all these events and especially for out-of-town guests, that has a huge impact. And I'm amazed how the data that you've been tracking and collecting, it gave that huge difference mm-hmm. in what that means for for the event industry, which is, I mean, eye-opening, right? Well, I hope that we will take this as information that we can apply when we make those decisions. And this is really, truly necessary for us in person. Can we maybe do a one a year in person and then meet virtually for all the other times? There's definitely now a lot of opportunity that I feel like we have certainly built the confidence that it's possible in 2020. It only makes sense to carry that through as we move forward. Where do you see the sustainability ranking as far as importance once live events get going again full steam? It's fascinating, actually. I thought maybe it would go away during the pandemic or things would change, but sustainability, like you mentioned in your intro about it's with millennials and other organizations or other groups, it's really important. Sustainability is ranking very, very high right now. So now we have to figure out how to come back and how to come back in a more sustainable way to really be thoughtful about how we produce our meetings. And on that thought that we had earlier, event organizers seriously consider a virtual event as a way to increase their sustainability efforts, right? Mm-hmm. Also, there's a lot of events right now that we're talking to that are going to do what's called a hub and spoke. So their hybrid event will have small regional meetings in different mm-hmm. areas as well, like chapters might have meetings, or if it's a hospital community, you know, different hospitals will hold meetings, but they will all link in to the virtual presentation as well. That way people don't have to fly, don't have to travel, yet they still get the face-to-face, right? They still get to meet their friends and their peers and have discussions in person, but they don't have to travel as far. So I think regional meetings really are going to be a key here, hopefully forever, but at least for the next yeah, while. Yeah. So how can um, event uh, organizers and planners move forward with this sustainability intentions and efforts, especially when it may or may not be a priority for many of the stakeholders that are involved in those events. Right. I think the sustainability is not so much about recycling and more about reducing, being resilient and asking questions about, do we really need that? Do we have to have all the swag? What parts of events do we have to have and what parts may have gone away in the past 20 months? What can we keep and what don't we need anymore? And I think that's really going to be important is figuring out just what isn't important (laughs) anymore or things that we thought we needed, things 
we thought we needed to do that we don't really need to do anymore. So is reduction then, you think, the best strategy moving forward? And why would that be? I think it's the first strategy moving forward. You know, recycling efforts, they're really tough. If you don't have to recycle things or donate things or keep them out of the landfill if you don't have them to start with. Really thinking about that. For one instance, reusable serviceware, plates, dishes, cutlery. Plastic is not any safer than dishwashing. Then you don't have to dispose of the plastic or the biodegradable or things that go into the landfill. But it's also the elegance. What people Mm -hmm. miss a lot of times with sustainability is they forget how elegant it is beautiful china and silver and glassware and not plastic cups and plates it's an easy win what about you know aspects of food and beverage what aspects of that should we consider when it comes to planning and producing sustainable events well what's really grown in the past year is plant-based meals so one of the things you can do for the environment is eat less meat as i'm sure you've heard <laughs> tell that to heard. the meat eaters <laughs> yes i know but you know you can serve fabulous plant based meals that fill even a meat eater up. You can have a meatless Monday at an event, or you can have just all the lunches be vegetarian. There's so many ways to lower your carbon footprint by the food you choose. You know, make mm-hmm. sure it's local. It comes out of the community. It's regional. It doesn't have to travel so far. You know, seafood, is it sustainable or is it overfishing? There's so many ways to really be sustainable in your menus. And you should then tell your story. This is what's important about sustainability. Tell your story to those who are attending. Put little cards out. The salad came from a local farmer. Things came locally. You know, talk to them about what's been done. Talk to them about how their menu today is going to reduce the carbon footprint of a conference. When you're feeding a thousand or two thousand people, that makes a lot of difference. Absolutely. Now, as the event industry, especially the trade show and meetings industry, begins to recover, and with event budgets, I feel like tighter than ever, in some instances, will anyone care enough to enroll maybe their vendors to be sustainable? And do you have any tips on how to do that? I do. I think that your vendors, your supply chain, they should be your partners in this. So instead of pushing them hard, you have to negotiate a contract, you do all of that, but you also want to enroll them. Like, what's new in your industry? What's new in the exhibits industry? How can you be more sustainable? Bring us the new cool stuff. Work with us. This is a lab. Let's make this an experiential lab, have all the vendors bring their best. So working with them year after year, most people work with their vendors, not just one year, but for many years. So how can you work together to make sure that the newest, the most sustainable products are available to your event? Here's another question, a thought actually that I had, you know, with all the concerns for safety in mind, I went through a few venue walkthroughs, which yay, in-person venue walkthroughs (laughs) are back. A lot of the venues have gone to town using chemical cleaning agents to keep participants safe from, you know, possible virus spread. I'm not so much more concerned about the virus as much as I'm concerned about all the chemicals around me that have been used to clean all the surfaces. So how does the eco-minded event planner reconcile this not always green operating procedure with creating an environmentally friendly event? Is it possible to call an event green if chemicals are being used as part of health and safety cleaning practice? Well, I think I would talk to your venue definitely about that because there are products that aren't all chemical that are natural products. I mean, my goodness, look at vinegar. My grandmother cleaned with vinegar 
for years. Before we had Clorox. (laughs) Right? So does it have to be that way? Is this safety theater? Is it all the contact? Do we have to go to this extent to make people feel safe? I, I think it needs to be clean, but that's not how the coronavirus is spread. And they've gone way overboard in trying to make you feel safe where I'm not sure that that was the issue. As we know, we know more now than we did before. But certainly there's cleaners that don't have to be just chemicals because the smell and you're right, it's just so toxic. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, how can we make or implement those health and safety practices and make them work with rather than against our sustainability efforts at the events that we're looking forward to plan in the fall of 2021 and spring of 2022 as we move forward? Well, I think it's really important to get it into your contract. So when you are meeting with potential vendors, you know, doing your site walkthroughs, these things have to be in the contracts that they will clean with environmentally friendly cleaners. I mean, you've got to get that put in right from the very start that that's your requirement. You know, many, many people have allergic to have issues with chemicals and, and you can't even invite people in to the building, right? If it's just too strong. So start early. I mean, I, that's the whole idea of the sustainable planning is start early. Start with your RFP, start with your requests, talk about it and negotiate it like you did on a site inspection. Take a look, take a look at what they're cleaning with. Ask for what you really want. A back of the house tour, a tour is a great way to see what's actually happening at the venue and making sure that what's important to your organization is fulfilled. Before we move any further, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our main sponsor, Trifan Events, which is a boutique event planning and production agency that will come alongside you, offering personalized event planning and technical support, strategic event design, production and technology management, and flawless execution for live, virtual, and hybrid events. The team at Trifan Events is passionate about planning and producing event experiences that get people involved with true moments of interaction, engagement, and co-creation, while offering white glove treatment throughout the entire planning process, enabling you to reach your event goals with the use of creativity, production tools, and event technology. To find out how Trifun Events can plan and produce your event become memorable, go to trifunevents.com. What are then your tips for restarting those green practices at venues that have been sort of like that for many months during the pandemic, particularly those venues, smaller venues that are working with smaller events on possibly even tighter budget than before the pandemic? And like you mentioned, you know, start early. How soon in the planning process should you start incorporating those green practices? Like, do you have a timeline that you're thinking when you say that? Yes, my timeline is start before you start planning. And I'm serious about that, right? When you send out a request for proposal, tell them that these are the things that you want in it. When you're looking for different vendors, make sure that you look for vendors who have a sustainability policy or understand sustainability at all. You know, in our new social issues, also look for a woman-owned business. There there are some underserved communities. There's so many things to be looking for right now when you're doing your due diligence to find a venue. 
Absolutely. As um, as you mentioned earlier, I love that idea of communicating your story to the attendants, to the participants. Do you have tips or have you seen them done well in ways in which our audience can take a few notes? How can you communicate your sustainability stories story in a way that it will actually be received well? There's, there's so many opportunities for this. There's opportunities right on the webpage or wherever you're doing your registration. This is what we're interested in. This is the amount of carbon where you're going to save by doing this. This is what we want for you. This is a benefit to the attendee. You start right from the beginning. Then if you send out, if it's a live event, you send out a no before you go. It's what we call them. Welcome to the event. And you talk about, you know, taking mass transportation and all the different things that they can do to help to be a part of it. And all the things that you've done as well. We put it on information on walk-in slides so that when people are entering the event, they can see what's been done on their behalf. We ask for their help if that's necessary for them to recycle, put their things in the right bins, all the way through to the very end where we have an infographic that we actually publish to tell people how well they did at their event. And organizers love to be able to share that with people afterwards. But there's all sorts of opportunities. And you don't have to look for new opportunities. You just plug it in to the communications you are already doing. And then celebrate those efforts. You know, Absolutely. I travel for uh, for the first time in like 16 months. I traveled for business this past weekend and I was in a hotel and I was there for like two days or three days. I don't even remember. I remember thinking, you know, there's all those beautiful towels. Really, all I need is one towel for those two days that I'm going to use to shower. But this is something that I do without anyone knowing something that I do because I'm conscious about how much water I'm using. I'm conscious about the carbon footprint that I'm leaving. Now, there wasn't anyone there to celebrate me and tell me, hey, here's your word for not using five towels when you took like two showers, you know? Right. I wish that people were more responsible like that, you know, without, oh, I'm going to post on Instagram. Hey guys, look at my towel. Do you see it's been reused like 500 times? <laughs> Exactly. But I think there should be some way in which we can celebrate the effort that if we all as a collective could do that, you know, and have that consciousness, I think we wouldn't have to feel desperate at times that, mm-hmm. hey, my kids, I don't know what kind of world they're going to live in, but I'm a little concerned, you know, what we're doing today, because it will affect them in the future. There's some great gamification that you can do and you can put on apps and people can take pictures of themselves writing mass transit or holding up their towel um, then you do a leaderboard and then people can watch it all the way along and see who's going to win the prize for the greenest efforts and things like that really make a difference because peer pressure is great for us we humans we love peer pressure and we love to do it better one of the things that we used to do back when there were buffets at live events is we used to have a clean plate challenge so you would go to the buffet and take what you wanted to eat and then at the end you took your plate over to a table where they scraped if there was food on it or checked. But if it was a clean plate, if you ate all the food, then you got a little sticker for your badge. And <laughs> so the first day you see people start, how did you get that? What's that? Clean yeah. plate challenge. 
But then it caught on, right? So then the next day, people are only taking what they need to eat and proudly showing up with their empty plate to get their sticker. I mean, my dad used to tell me to eat everything on my plate. This isn't a new idea, but somehow we've walked away from it. Thought it was a different way of showing VIP service, but it's just those types of peer things are so much fun. I love how you even mentioned, you know, the idea that if this is a say a hybrid event, then you can introduce that gamification even to in-person events, but with the use of an app or a, whatever platform that you're using. Mm-hmm. And then in person, there's so many different ways in which you can implement that. I feel like there's so much waste, you know, in, in the food and beverage past events. And then that could be a different conversation. Like, what do we do with all this food that now goes to waste? Like, is there different ways in which we can, obviously has to be safe to use it, take it to shelters, take it to so many yeah. other different, uh, businesses that could pick it up the same day and make use of it as opposed to just going, you know, on landfill. I mean, if we brainstorm, I'm sure there'll be so many different ways. We just need to be willing to put a little bit of extra intention and effort into it, you know? There's so many people who are hungry right now that food banks are more important than ever. There's a Second Harvest website has a place where you can go and type in the zip code where your event's going to be, and it shows you the local food bank. You just work with the local food bank. They know what's safe and what's not. They will come pick it up or you arrange to have it delivered. It's a great way to make sure that others are being fed. But first of all, like in the reduction, make sure your ordering is right. Make sure that you're not over ordering, you got your history. Also, maybe you don't have 10 different things on a buffet that have to get refilled, but maybe you have five. And we don't all need all those choices all the time, right? (laughs) So you limit the amount of food also that has to be replaced. You remind people that if you're the last one through the buffet, it doesn't have to look like the first person through the buffet. You're the last person. You know, I was raised in a big family where the pork chop were on a platter and they went around the table and everybody just you know took what they needed to but the plate didn't look the same when it got to my end of the table as it did when it started out but I was fed I had food Yeah, yeah. I just took down that resource that you said, Second Harvest, and I'm going to put in episode notes. Any other resources that you can think of that we can give our audience? Because I would love to give them something to go to if that's something that is really, truly on their mind and heart, especially because it should be a concern of all of us for sure. But I feel like there's people with more intention into it than others. Second Harvest is a great place to learn about food donation. Meet Green, if you look in our infographic section, we have a lot of information on the green event checklists or stories about what has been done. We've got infographics for different events and those are great resources to use as well. Absolutely. Now, if you could give just one piece of advice, uh, what would that be, Nancy? That would just be to get started. Don't be intimidated. Just do one thing. Pick one thing whatever it is. What would be one idea to get started with something? Just brainstorming here. Have everybody bring a reusable coffee mug or a reusable water bottle. Refill those water bottles. It is just as safe as any plastic water bottles you're going to be getting. You're going to save yourself as an event organizer a lot of money by not using individual plastic water bottles. So let's say this year you just cut that out. Or this year you just say no disposables. Everything goes on reusable. China cut 
cutlery. Just pick one thing and try to track how much your savings are and then tell the story and then build on it. I mean, you can do the same with plant-based meals. Just start, just pick something because it'll grow and you'll get excited about it and your stakeholders will be excited about it. Don't try to swallow the whole sustainability world the first year because I've been doing this 27 years and we're not perfect. We're still working our ways through it, but start. Yeah. I like that idea is like with just doing one thing. So I was at this other event that, you know, is very much about sustainability practices and why not. But it was so funny because sometimes you also, you know, you have to watch that you walk the talk. You don't just talk the talk. Just as we were starting, there's like this half a room full of water bottles from whatever they bought them in. But I was thinking, why couldn't they just promote, like, bring your water bottle and just have refill stations? Mm-hmm. That exactly. to me made more sense than like going, I don't know, out of your way to buy all these water bottles, which none of those are actually good for the environment. And mm-hmm. sure, it probably might be the easy solution, but is that really in line with the message? Exactly. Exactly. And it just takes one Instagram photo or one social media buzz about, hey, these people say they're up for sustainability. And then you've got them surrounded by water bottle, plastic water bottles, right? Yeah. That looks horrible. But that's yeah, that's, not good. Exactly. Yeah, that's radical transparency. Anybody can see now what you're doing. You can't hide it anymore. So <laughs> it's very, very important and a huge cost saving. Absolutely. Well, I guess the main takeaway here should be that planners, event organizers that are are intentional about their sustainability efforts, they should continue to keep hybrid and virtual events in their toolbox or as a way to, you know, make events more accessible to audiences that are less able to travel, but also as a way to reduce their uh, events carbon footprint. Like you mentioned, another uh, model to keep in mind is planning events at those hub to spoke at multiple uh, regional hubs that can be connected with the live streaming event technology, choosing hubs that are conveniently located, you know, for the majority of attendees can reduce an event's carbon footprint while also maintaining an in-person experience for the in-person audience. Anything else you'd like to add to our takeaway here? It's only something that whoever is uh, listening right now or watching us should uh, walk away with. I just think you know, t- today's events are going to be really important what the attendee experience is. We know we can learn online, right? So if you're yeah. going to go back live, it's going to be more about the experience. And just like you brought to the forefront is make sure your experience matches what you're telling people that you're up for. Make sure that they're enrolled, that they're involved. And I think it'd be a phenomenal way to do events. Well, Nancy, where can our audience find you and especially tap into some of the resources that you mentioned. They can just find me at nancy at meetgreen.com. I am always happy to help people, to give you additional resources, to talk to people. I would say my door is always open, but my, my email is always open. So please feel free to reach out because this is so vitally important to our industry and to the world. And I think meeting planners are smart And I think they're strong and I think they're resilient and take on new and interesting things. This is new and interesting. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for this conversation around sustainability for mm-hmm. events as we move forward. Not that we forgot about it, but I feel like it sort of like went on the back burner a little bit right. with the major urgency that we felt in the last 20, I think almost 20 months. I don't even remember, but basically it was like survival mode. <laughs> right, right. Appreciate you. Thank you again. And uh, I look forward to hearing more from you and checking some of those infographics that you mentioned on the website, just to put it as a resource to our audience as well. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, friends, this is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for all of you that have tuned in to learn a little bit more about what you can do to make sure that you leave less of a carbon footprint, but also plan and produce sustainable events. I am super grateful for everyone listening here in the US as well as around the world, which apparently is quite the audience and that makes me super happy. As far as where you're tuning in from, it's amazing to hear and to see on the charts. But I would love if you could subscribe on your favorite listening platform and leave, you know, a five-star review so we can get this podcast higher on the charts and make it visible to event professionals just like yourself. I welcome your feedback. You know that you can find me on Instagram at Events Demystified Podcast or via email at podcast at trifanievents.com. I hope that you have a fantastic rest of your day and we will see you next time.